I've been looking forward to the new year. I've been looking forward to beginning a series in the book of Hebrews. And I want you to read the book of Hebrews every day if you can. Just read through it. Just read through it again. I know it's a little bit to read, but just read through it. Keep reading through it. And as we go through this book, you'll find out many, many things. The superiority of Jesus Christ is what the book of Hebrews is about. And it also is about living in the new covenant. There's the old covenant and the new covenant, and we are in the new covenant. And it's the only covenant that, that makes the difference. The old covenant was, uh, was one that uh, passed away and is obsolete, and we'll see that in the book of Hebrews. And so we're going to just take a few verses today, but I thought it'd be good to give you some background. Background on the book of Hebrews, and if you want these notes, I can, I can get these to you. Um, I didn't, we didn't have room in the bulletin for it, but the, the author of the letter of Hebrews, humanly speaking, is unknown. We know that the Holy Spirit uh, has guided the writing of the book of Hebrews. Uh, possibly Luke it may have been uh, the one that God used to write it. We don't know. You might have your theories and all that, but nobody really knows. Uh, this letter appears to have been written just before Nero's massacre in A.D. 64. Certainly it was written before A.D. 70 when uh, Jerusalem fell and the destruction of the temple. So this is just some background. Now this is extremely important. That's when you pause and listen. There, that's where you go. The recipients of the letter are primarily Jewish Christians outside of Palestine. So, well, what was so important about that? I'm, I'm not finished. Secondarily, this letter addresses the two other kinds of Jewish people. As you read through the book of Hebrews, you'll notice different groups being addressed. And if you get these confused, you'll be confused. And we don't want that. We don't want you to be confused. Those who were convinced of the Lordship of Christ, of Jesus Christ, but had not received him as their personal Lord. There were Jewish people who were convinced, yes, he's the Messiah, but they hadn't had a personal, uh, uh, hadn't received him personally. And then those who were not convinced that Jesus is, is a, of his Lordship, not convinced he's the Messiah. So you have those who are followers of Christ, who are Jewish followers of Christ, main, main, mainly addressed in the book of Hebrews, Jewish people in the first century, and then there's those who are like, okay, I agree, he fits everything the Messiah is supposed to be, but they haven't personally received him, and then there are those who say, I don't know about that. And you know, we, as we go through the book of Hebrews, you say, well, it's a book to Jewish people, and if I'm not Jewish, how does it fit me? Oh, I'm glad you asked. If you take away the Jewish part, it fits everybody that you know. You either are a follower of Jesus Christ, or maybe you're a person that believes that just Jesus is the Christ. He's the Son of God. He's the one that died for our sins and rose from the dead. You believe that, but you've never received him personally. Or you may be somebody that says, I don't know about that. I don't believe it. So the same three groups still apply to all of us. Here we go. So this book is for you, and God has given it to you. Now, what's the purpose of this letter? To encourage persecuted Jewish believers in Jesus and the persecution had already begun or perhaps was in the thick of it about to start and really get bad under Nero. And so what you'll find is uh, the encouragement. And every time something bad is about to happen in the world and in your life, God brings encouragement first. He points you in the right direction so that when you go through it, you can go through it walking with him 
And that's what is, he wants for you to walk with him. So this is what was happening with these folks as well. And listen to this. This, this will help you a lot. I'm not going to ask you to do this, but you can if you want to, and it might help. Just read the book of Leviticus. Now, if you've ever tried to read the book of Leviticus, you're probably thinking, now that's a big order. It takes a little while to read it. It takes you a little, you, you read it and you pause and you read and you pause and say, what is all this about? Well, the purpose of this letter is to persuade unbelieving Jews that Jesus fulfilled the sacrificial and priestly requirements described in Leviticus and that he is the only avenue to God. He is the only avenue to God. That he fulfilled the Levitical priesthood, he fulfilled the Old Testament sacrifices, he fulfilled all of those things, and that he is the only way to God. He's not, he's not the best way, he's not a good way, he's the only way, the only way. God made it simple for us. He said, you pick door number one, or door number one, or door number one. That's it. There's not a two, three, or four, there's just one. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto, unto me except... And no man comes unto the Father except by me. He's the only one. I'm glad God made it simple. Just one. The style of the letter is a style that I like. It's sermonic. It's like a, it's like a sermon. It's a beautiful, beautifully written um, in the original language. It's a beautiful uh, sermonic written style. Uh, even though it's uh, in sermonic style, it's offered in a way that is intended to do three things. Clarify, educate, and evangelize. And that's what we do in sermons all the time. Clarify what God's Word says. This is what it says. And we try to educate. This is, what, this is how we know that. This is how the, all these things come together. And, and then we want everybody to know Jesus. Evangelism. Always, 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 always. Because, you know, many people will go to church or go to services and, and will attend and even be seeking and wanting to know, but they've never yet received Christ. And, and so we want to help everybody know Jesus. So now... Here's the drum roll. Let's begin the sermon. <laughs> Say, well, Pastor, that was a sermon. That was the introduction. That was the background. And it won't be a long, uh, a long passage today because I did the introduction, but I want you to know there's a lot in these three verses. Hebrews uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, God has spoken. Well, that is interesting. Wouldn't you want to hear from God if you say, God, just say something to me. Just tell me something. Well, he has. He has spoken. Look in the first verse. Now, I did it like this on purpose. It's not some kind of, oh, it didn't adjust right when you wrote it on the slide. No, 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 no. Did you know that God speaks to us in his written word, which was written in language, and there are rules to language? So, well, pastor, what kind of? This is not an English class. Well, we're speaking English and we're reading English. Maybe it should be a little bit. Because when you're studying the Bible, especially when you take a letter in the New Testament, you want to take it and let the subjects and the verbs and, and all the things and figure out a verb is an action word. It moves things along. You know that. You learned that from Sesame Street, didn't you? And I'm so tempted right now to do an Elmo, but I'm not going to do it because my wife and my son are here, and I just don't want to embarrass them. But, but you know you learned about the verbs move things along, and this is what happens. God is a subject. God, after he spoke, 
So now, after God spoke, how did he speak? Long ago. These are modifiers of how God spoke. He spoke long ago to the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, to the fathers, and Joseph, and then Moses, to the preceding fathers of the faith. He spoke to them. We've got it recorded. Not everything he said to them is recorded, but what he wanted us to know is recorded perfectly in the, in the older part of the Bible we call the Old Testament. I like to call it the older part of the Bible because Old Testament gives you the idea that the Old Covenant is the entirety of the Old Testament, but it isn't. It's just part of it. Because the old, Anyway, we won't get into that too much, but I'll talk more about that as we move through Hebrews. And he spoke in the prophets. And we learned about that when we were going through this, this uh, December series for Christmas, how God spoke through the prophets, how he told them the Christ is coming, the one that's coming, and what he's going to do, he's going to take our place, he's going to die for us, he's going to pay for our sins. And in many portions, that is, in many manners, God has spoken in the past. He, after he spoke, he, so this is telling us that he's spoken. In many ways he spoke. We see that. You can read through the older part of the Bible and you find that. And you see how God spoke and how God worked. And God wanted you to know what he wrote down. That's why he had it written down. After God spoke, what did he do? After he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, what did he do then? In these last days... Now, we'll stop right there for a minute. In these last days, the last days, now I've always, I've, read, I've been studying the Bible for a week or two, and the last days, the time Christ came and, and, and uh, was on this earth, and he, and he died for our sins, and he rose from the dead, and he ascended to the Father, from that time until he returns, they're called the last days. We're living in the last days. You can go through history from the beginning of Adam and Eve and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and keep going and, and come all the way to here we are. But we're in the last part of what God is doing in history. Uh, the, Jesus returning is what we're looking forward to. Now, the prophets talked about Jesus' first coming. They talked more about his second coming. So he spoke long ago after he spoke. In these last days, he has spoken to us. See how this thing just, it's like sentence diagramming if you remember that. In these last days, has, God has spoken, so God spoke and has spoken to us in His Son. God has shouted out to us in His Son, in Jesus Christ. So you want to know if God is talking, what He's going to say to you, you've got to know that He's talking to us in his son. It's very important. I don't know if you get in arguments a lot, if you get in you know, discussions a lot with people about all kinds of things, and I always run to, especially if it's a cult, like a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon or whatever cult you want to name, and they want to talk about religious things, and I just don't like to do that too much, so I just cut to the chase, and so let's just talk about Jesus. Just run right to Jesus. And in this passage today are some of the things you can use in discussions with people. Now, there are two words I want to tell you when you're talking to people about religious things. Be nice. Be nice. It's important to be nice. Now, you can be right. You want to be right, but you want to be nice. Don't ever shout. Don't ever get red-faced and say, oh, 
oh, I can't believe you're so dumb. I can, and that doesn't help. That's just, that's not the way. And you can't win an argument anyway. We don't want to win an argument. We want to win people to Christ. See, the person that is relaxed in the conversation is the person that knows, I don't really need to be bothered by what you're saying because I know the truth. And I'm not smug in it, and I'm not better than you are. Uh, the truth doesn't change depending on who knows it. But if I happen to know it and you don't, that doesn't mean that you're worse than I am. That just means you need to know. I needed to know. Somebody told me. I didn't get mad at them for being so arrogant you told me something. No, I, I'm, I'm glad you told me. But I want to know the truth. And I, you ever ask anybody the question, if what you believe is not true, would you want to know? If, you, if what you believe is not true, would you want to know or you just want to just keep going? We live in a world, I think, would say, I don't really want to know. Well, I can't help them. I can help people who want to know. Somebody help me. In his son, now listen to Jesus Christ, his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. So now, who am I going to get ahead of myself? I hate interrupting myself in the sermon. That's terrible. So I'm trying not to do it. So he appointed Jesus Christ heir of all things. Now understand who's listening to this, who's reading this letter. Those three groups of Jewish people reading this letter. Some are not convinced that he's the Messiah. So this is to help move them along. Some are convinced, but they haven't received him as personal Lord yet. And, and moving them along. In his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. Now let's... All things, heir of all things. There is not a thing that Christ will not inherit. Get that into your mind. And understand the Jewish mindset in the first century would have grabbed a hold of this. Because it was, I don't know, we're, our culture is a little different in the 21st century here in, the, in America. But, you know, you know, are you an heir of, you know, your... You know, your father, mother, are you an heir of your grandparents? Are you an heir? What are you going to inherit? I know people talk about it when somebody dies. You know, what is you know, aunt so-and-so going to give to us and all that? But we don't usually talk about heirs very much. But they did in the first century. It meant a whole lot who you belonged to and what you would inherit, would inherit. And it mostly had to do with land. And it's very important to people. So get that in your mind when they hear this. Heir of all things, the whole world belongs to Jesus. And then listen to this, through whom also he made the world. Now that ought to roll your socks up and down. In his son, God's speaking to you. What's he saying to you? I want you to know who's talking. I want you to know who we're talking about. Heir of all things, and by the way, he made all things. I don't understand it, I just preach it. God the Father, through the Son and the Spirit, created all of this. Everything. You go out at night on a clear night and look up into the sky and look at all those stars, Jesus did it. You hold a newborn baby in your hands, Jesus did it. You look in a telescope, Jesus did it. You look in a microscope, Jesus did it. Jesus did it. And he's still doing it. I'm amazed. That you're sitting here alive right now is amazing. Considering what you got going against you. I mean, everything's trying to kill you, right? <laughs> here we made it anyway. And then if you die in Christ, you win. 
You win, you don't die. Jesus said he's the resurrection and the life. Even though you die, you'll live. When you're in Christ, you can't be any better. It's just powerful. So God has spoken in these last days through us, and he's, and he's he cried out and spoke through Jesus. He was the heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And look, we're not finished. It's kind of funny you get to the end, and you're almost ready to start. Because this gets exciting. And actually, I'm, I'm stopping today's message. The sentence isn't over, but you won't sit here that long. So I'm being kind to you. No, I know I hate it when you get up and leave when I'm preaching. That's terrible. And he, speaking of Jesus, and he, look who he is. The radiance of his glory, the radiance of God's glory, and the exact representation of his nature. Jesus Christ made everything. Jesus Christ is the radiance of God's glory. That's the full radiance of God's glory. All the glory that God has, Jesus is that radiance. He shines the deity of God. Now, Jehovah's Witnesses haven't read this one. Because they don't believe Jesus is God. I love them, and they're wrong. And I'm going to be kind when I tell them. But this is not where you... If you're wrong about when Jesus is going to return, we can get over that one. But you can't be wrong at who he is. You can't be wrong at who he is. If you believe he's just a man, wash your mouth out. What are you saying? God spoke long ago. And he's spoken in his last days in his son. And what did he say? He is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. You see God the Father, you see God in all of his essence, his very nature, Jesus is exactly that. Jesus is God. People say, you, uh, be, you're going to be kind. There are Jewish people in the world today that think we're idolaters because we're worshiping a man and not God. And we're thinking, God became man. His name is Jesus. He's the exact representation of the nature of God. Who are you if you're exactly like God? If you're exactly in your nature, who are you? are God. Now, I know it's hard. I mean, how do you figure this out? God took on, uh, took on a human body and lived in this world. How did God do that? Aren't there a lot of things like that? How did God do that? Have you ever... Spend a day just thinking, how did God do that? Make a list. How did God do that? Well, that's the biggest one, I think. I don't know. How did God come and, and become a man? And we just celebrated that, and we still celebrate it today. Jesus came to earth and took on human flesh. And listen to this. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. We're worried about climate change. <laughs> I don't know if you're like that. Uh, you know, I'm not worried about it. You know why I'm not worried about it? Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. Pollute all you want. It's all your business. Whatever you want to do, you can't wreck it. 
Jesus is holding it together. Now, I'm not for it, uh, messing things up and making it worse. And uh, For clean energy and all that, I like breathing clean air. I'm, I'm good for that. Clean water, I'm good for that. But I want you to know, if we all and everybody in the whole world got together and decided we're going to wreck this planet, you can't do it. Because Jesus is the one who upholds all things. And if you get it all right, and suddenly everything's clean, and, and there's nothing, no pollution, there's no, climate is perfect, and Jesus says, we're done. We're done. He upholds all things. It isn't the government. It isn't some policies the government might have about what you can drive and what you can uh, own and all that. It's Jesus. That's why I'm not worried about it. When Jesus says the word, it's over. And until he says it's over, it's not. Sleep well. Sleep well. Jesus is in charge. And you thought he wasn't. Well, I'm not saying you thought that. You didn't think that. You know better. But that world out there is crazy. They don't know this. This is what everybody needs to know. If everybody knew this, how sweet it would be. If everybody would say, I surrender to Christ, he's the one who upholds all things, he's the God that made us all and loves us all and died for us all and wants us all to spend eternity with him. If every man, woman, boy and girl thought that, what would it be like? Well, so pastor, that's not going to happen. I know, you know how I know that? The Bible tells me. God speaks through his word. I know that not everybody's going to receive him. I know that the world is not going to be... Suddenly everything's going to be perfect and Jesus will come back. No, it's, you got it backwards. Suddenly Jesus comes back and everything is fixed. Now he takes a little bit, there's a like chapters 8 through 18 of Revelation where he, a whole lot of things happen. <laughs> that was a short Bible study. <laughs> now you got to read Hebrews, Leviticus, and Revelation. I don't know. you got some homework. And this is where I stop today, but we're going to pick it up next week because we start talking about superiority of Jesus Christ, and he starts being compared to angels next week. And we see that, but we're not going to go there today. We're going to stop right here. And what a stopping place this is. When he, made, when he had made purifications of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The place of authority is the right hand Jesus sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, I want you to understand this before we get out of here today. In the temple, you know, the earthly temple, you know, and these Jewish people reading this letter would think about the temple in Jerusalem. When he made purifications of sins, well, that's done in the temple. When the high priest once a year goes in for the Day of Atonement and, and puts the blood on the mercy seat. Now we're using language that we're not all that familiar with because we don't, we don't think about this as much. But we ought to think about this. The Bible says, and we'll get into it in the book of Hebrews, this is a copy of things that are in heaven. Oh, my. The mercy seat, that's, that's the gold-covered gold lid of the Ark of the Covenant. Don't you go to Raiders of the Lost Ark. <clears throat> but you can go there for a little bit and you get a little bit of an idea of, okay, that's about the size of everything, the Ark of the Covenant. But <clears throat> now what's in the Ark of the Covenant? The, the tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments, the law of God. 
and a jar of manna was in there, and Aaron's rod that budded. Now, Aaron, do you remember there was a conflict? I don't know about, you know, who's supposed to be the priest and who's supposed to be doing all that. And, and each tribe got the rod, and, and God said the, the rod that buds is the one, and that was, that was Aaron. We could go into that. That's another sermon altogether. But those are in that Ark of the, of the Covenant there, and that mercy seat. And, you know, all the priests, all the time, the whole time they're in the temple, they're just doing what they're doing. They rotate, and we can get into the rotation of all the things that the Levitical priests did. But this is what the vision, this is what they're thinking about. This is what the Jewish people would be thinking about. All of these things, it just comes to their minds as they think. There's not a seat for the Levitical priests. They never sat down. They never sat down. But there's one seat in the temple, the mercy seat. That's the only seat in the temple. Nobody sits there except God. Jesus, when he had made purifications of sins, sat down. You know why he sat down? No more need to do anything else. It's finished. He said that on the cross. It is finished. It's paid for. The blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord, he took to that place in heaven the real tabernacle, and placed his blood on the mercy seat in heaven. The real mercy seat in heaven. And he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high and said, it's done. It's over. Everything that you've ever said or done or thought or would have said or, thought or, uh, said or thought that is wrong, every sin that you ever have committed or will commit in your whole lifetime, and, and every sin of every person who's ever sinned, and they all a bunch of that, all of it paid for by Jesus on the cross, and he sat down because it's done. That's powerful stuff. That means you need to stop it. Stop what? Stop what? Trying to earn your favor with God. If I go to church every Sunday, God will like me better. He doesn't like you better. You know, if I just do a few more things, if I give a little bit more of this and I do more, that'll help earn my way towards heaven. What are you saying? When you do those things, you're saying, God, what you did, for Jesus did for us wasn't good enough. I've got to add to it. What? You don't add to that. You can't add to that. You, as a matter of fact, your addition would be sin. Did you know you can join a church, be baptized, and give a lot of money to the church and all that, and it'd be sin? An abomination to God because you're doing it to try to earn God's favor, and you can't earn God's favor. It's not earned or deserved. It's given through Christ. When you surrender and say, I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior, and I need Jesus, and when you surrender, it's done. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus no condemnation. When is it no condemnation? Now. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. My favorite verse in the Bible. Because I need to know that. When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Eternal redemption. Forever redemption. 
Redemption that doesn't end is good. You can't change it. Once you're born into the family of God, you can't be unborn. Once you're in Christ, you can't fall out of Christ. When it's done, it's done. We're going to have a great afternoon. Because we're going to go through the afternoon thinking, ah, it's all done, I'm done. This is so great, this is so powerful, this is so wonderful. Maybe you already knew it, but to know it over and over again just makes you walk a little bit lighter. When the world's weighing you down, you can say, I'm not worried about all that. Jesus is in charge. He's the one. He's superior. He's the Lord of all. And He loves me. And He's my Lord. And He's my Savior. And he's, He accepts me. And it's not because I'm perfect, but because He makes me perfect. He's not finished with me yet. But boy, He will be. And there's nothing I can say or do to change it. And who would want to anyway? And boy, that's the way to bring in the new year right there. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? Is that all that matters? Do you know Him? Do you know about who He is and what He's done? Have you experienced what, he's, what He can do in a life, in your life? You need changing. I've been meaning to talk to you about that. Do you know the best thing about Five Forks Baptist Church is we're is full of sinners and we have a wonderful Savior. Now we want to learn through the book of Hebrews as we go through God's Word. Learn how to live in the new covenant. Learn how to live with Christ moving in and through our lives. And we're learning. We're learning. And as we learn, some things will change in our lives and God will be perfecting us. And we'll, go, we'll get along with each other and go along through and all the stuff. But love each other because He loves us. And the world will know that we love Him and know Him because we love each other. And that's the way it works. And that's really as simple as it gets. And one of the most complicated studies in the Bible sometimes is in the book of Hebrews. But we're going to have a blast. So I want to ask you to do this. Read it. Read it. Study it. The best group of people to teach the book of Hebrews to, Hebrews to are the people who've read it, people who've studied it. It's easier that way. But most of all, settle accounts now. They've been trying to earn God's favor. Stop it. Relax and rest in Jesus. Cry out to Jesus today and say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. And when you do, by His Spirit, He will come inside of you and He will begin to change your life. It's a beautiful thing. So I invite you to come to Christ. I invite you to know Him. And maybe you say, well, I already know Jesus. But just today, listening to what God's Word has to say, I've discovered some things in my life that shouldn't be there. And God put His finger on it and said, that's got to go. Oh, you know what it is. You know exactly what we're talking about. It's got to go. Between you and God, just take care of that. Say, God, I just want this moved out of my life. It doesn't belong there. You've redeemed me. I belong to you. I just, that's just got to go. And when that goes, life becomes a lot sweeter. It does. So quit fighting what God's doing in your life and just relax and let him do it. So I invite you to do that. As we stand together, whatever your commitment to Christ is today, express that to him from your heart. As we sing, 
And as we wait for you, just, just do. If you want to come here and pray in this altar, just come and do that. If you want to surrender your life to Christ and I can help you, come on. And I'll help you come to, come to Christ today. So you come as God would lead you.